Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We are into the week three of the season. This is when things get better and better. But unfortunately, the uh, there was some bad news this week. I just figured it was worth bringing up. Lost a great one in comedian Norm McDonald. Oh, yeah. I mean... He's one of my favorites, man. Like... Always was one of my favorites, I'll be honest with you. I kind of forgot about him, you know, in well, the last he, five years or so. Well, I mean, for obvious reasons. He was he, battling. He, yeah, he disappeared. Yep. And I always wondered, like, what's going on with Norm? And then you'd see him. He started, like, this uh, He started this online show, like, streaming show. And I thought, oh, cool, you know, Norm's kind of making a comeback. And then, then that kind of faded away pretty quick. So Norm I, never struck me as a guy that wanted the limelight. I just think no. Norm liked being Norm. Zero, Whatever the camera was on. Zero filter. Didn't care what anybody thought about what he said. I was watching the roast of uh, Bob Saget. Okay. And he was absolutely bombing. He clearly did not prep at all for it. He was literally reading off of cue cards and, and screwing up every joke. But it's still funny. It was the comedians thought it was hysterical. Yeah. Because it was so bad. That's how good he was. Like... He could read stereo instructions and that weird yeah. deadpan delivery. Um, look up the moth joke. The, the moth, moth joke, joke is great. It's fantastic. He completely hijacks the Conan O'Brien show and like literally ruins four minutes of television for the world. <laughs> it is so good. And then one of my favorite one. I mean, I, I first knew him. Um, I'm old enough to remember him hosting Weekend Update on SNL. Yeah. <laughs> and one of his like jokes that he did was. This week on Billboard, Better Than Ezra is number one. One spot ahead of the number two band, Ezra. <laughs> it's so stupid and like took zero creativity to do it, but it's still but funny. That's why he was so funny because that's not a funny joke. No. But he made it funny because he Norm McDonald did. I don't know how to. But so, the cool thing this week has been, you know, I hope, I don't know, Norm McDonald's family and close, you know, group of people. He, he, he sadly passed cancer, but like everybody is sharing their favorite Norm McDonald clip. So yeah. like in that way, even, you know, when he's moved on to the next, you know, world, he's, he's still providing laughs. So that's All cool. right. So I'll share my personal favorite okay. one and I'm not going to go into any details. I'm just going to tell people to YouTube him in the early days of Conan O'Brien, very first couple of years, probably when Melrose place was big. It was like the hottest show. Yes. And Courtney Thorne Smith oh was God. on. It is hilarious. And I he's, just found that today. So she's being interviewed. He had been interviewed prior, so he's in the second chair, and he is completely hijacking the interview. He won't shut up. And, <laughs> and Conan I, is like, will you shut up? I think he honestly was getting frustrated, but he couldn't help but die laughing. Because it was laughing. so funny. And so was Courtney Smith. She played along she, really well. She, she deserves like a, like a comedic credit there because she For just sure. let it happen, but... Honestly, look that there. I actually saw that in a clip of just it was a ten minute clip called okay. Norm McDonald being an a hole or something like that, <laughs> right. and that was like one of the main parts of it. Absolutely worth that. Anyways, just thought thought it was worth uh, bringing up. All right, you got housekeeping. You want to no go through? No, sir. Well, the the big housekeeping item. I think one of them that we can go uh, uh, talk about is the USC coaching search. Sure. I mean, obviously, this is a 
Big Ten football-specific podcast, but when a job like that opens up, a, a gigantic job like that opens up, it sucks tons of other coaches and programs into it. Um, so we've got uh, four from the Big Ten right here. So number one, this seems to be the one that comes out the most, is James Franklin mm-hmm. from Penn State. Um, I've heard James Franklin to Penn State for years. And I can't... James I, Franklin to USC. Sorry, James Franklin from Penn State to USC. I've heard it for years. Yeah, I, I, I'm not in the know. I can't say that it wouldn't happen. I would say that James Franklin going to USC is not a weird fit. No, it's not a weird fit, but he it seems like he ultimately wanted to be at Penn State, and things are going well at Penn State, and things are not going well at USC, and things are turning down for the Pac-12, while Big Ten is still one of the two most powerful conferences. I don't know that that's a good move. Now, if you're asking me the question, what would I do if I was James Franklin? I would stay at Penn State. Yeah, me too. Instead of going to USC. The other thing I would do if I was James Franklin and his agent, use it if you not, if you have to to get yourself a raise, get your assistance some some more money. And that's, uh, that's what that's how this works. So that is what most of these guys are quote unquote doing. If 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 they're actually talking to him at all, that's what they're doing. Absolutely. Most of them. Most of them. The number two coach in the Big Ten that we've heard is Minnesota's own yeah. P.J. Fleck. Um, I'll say this much. I bet you Heather Fleck would love to move out west. Yes, I bet she would. That's a good point. <laughs> don't, do not tell me the wives don't play into these decisions, at least a little bit, sometimes a lot. So, I, obviously, USC is a step up from Minnesota. But, again, the Big Ten versus Pac-12 thing still plays into it. And, you know, I don't know that they would let – him kind of, you know, brand himself as much as he's able to here in Minnesota. Were Trojans ever on boats much? They, yeah, yeah, I think okay. so. All right, so I that could they, could have something they there. Were accomplished sailors. <laughs> that's, that's a potential fit. Again, don't see it happening. I don't see PJ Fleck going to USC. So he's already making good money. Right. I don't know. It doesn't sound like. I don't think USC pays tremendously well. It, you know, compared to the Correct. Big Ten, I don't think they pay any better like than a middle tier Big Ten team. I think I typically that's a good point, and they're just kind of a mess overall. Yeah. I mean, they have been. It's not just the coach or the jobs the coaches have been doing. It's the the position the coaches have been put in by just horrible athletic departments for USC, the athletic department for USC, and just general universe. It's been a mess in USC. Yeah, another coach that has been thrown about, bandied about. Indiana's crazy Tommy Allen. Hmm. What do I think of that? I mean, he's an Indiana guy. It's not exactly a fit, I don't think, culturally. Right. Tommy's a great coach. Would they embrace him? I don't know. Yeah. Not sure. But but I will say this. James Franklin, P.J. Fleck, and Tommy Allen, all a step up from who has been coaching USC for the past five years. No doubt. Yeah. And then... The last one that is obviously a perfect fit for coach of the Big Ten to USC, both culturally and style, is obviously Wisconsin's Paul Crest. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would fit. <laughs> perfect. Marriage made in heaven right there. I just threw that one in there to be a jerk. And then and then somehow another, another uh, coach that will fit into the games we're talking about this weekend is uh, uh, Cincinnati's Luke Fickle. That one I'm starting to feel. Now, Luke yeah. is a more of a Midwest guy, but I've heard that basically it's his job to lose. 
Yeah, I don't know what he makes at Cincinnati, but I would think they could pay him more at USC. And he's a great recruiter, so he could really attract incredible talent to USC. I and, think. and and me thinks he's just a good coach, flat out. I mean, he well, that's yeah, that's, it's he in his would, DNA. He would do well there. I think he would do great. Yeah. Hmm. Now, what's interesting is you know Cincinnati is getting brought into the fold for the new Big Twelve, so. Yeah. Right. I mean, I I don't think that makes a huge difference to Luke Fickle. The the, the power four and a half conference. Correct. Yeah. So, um, and then this we're not we don't have to like pot on this, but like I just was having this thought today. I was listening to a different podcast, driving back from from uh, a work stop I made. Like, what is stopping USC from hiring one of these coaches? Not not saying one of these. Yeah. That we just named a coach that is currently coaching at a school, whoever it would be. What would stop them from hiring him now? And he just left and went to USC right now. Hmm. Is there anything actually stopping that from happening? And and I, when you think, well, that's not going to happen, I would present to you the past three years of college football, which means anything can happen. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it never does happen, but why doesn't it happen, I guess, is my question. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. Wouldn't that Off be something? Season. Like week four. Boom. You know, Luke Fickle, head coach of USC. Leaves Cincinnati, takes five assistants with him, and the Cincinnati team is like, what? <laughs> like, it could happen. And he could start coaching since uh, USC week five. I wonder if there's clauses of, right. in the contracts for that. Middle of the season or something like that. Huh. I mean, so you see coaches leave before a bowl, the bowl game. Yeah. There's still a game left. Right. So is there any difference between not no. coaching one bowl game and not coaching the last six games of the year? No. Not, not to just, me, there's not. Just something that I've, I I thought about, figured we'd talk about it real quick. Okay, and then I'm not going to rant. I promised I, myself I wouldn't rant, but <laughs> I mean... Okay, we, we've got 12 games here. <laughs> I know. I'll be quick. I just need to get it off my chest. Okay, stats are good. Stats are useful. But when stats mean more than what is on the scoreboard... I th- I think things have gotten out of control. Okay, give me an example. Yards per play, explosive plays, these are things that are very important to an offense. Yeah. And therefore, the success of the of the football team, by and large, okay? Um, obviously, people dogging on Iowa, finding mm, okay. reasons to chop down Iowa after beating a pretty good Indiana team at home, pretty bad. Going on the road to a tough environment and walloping an Iowa State team, pretty good, okay? It's just breaking down Iowa's offense. I have I saw it week one versus Penn State. I've seen it weeks one and two versus Wisconsin. Basically, it's just these new nerds, okay? good. I, there are nerds I love, okay? I feel like I have a little bit of a nerd strain in me. I do, and I'm proud of it, but like... I know how much you love Northwestern. <laughs> okay, leave that one alone, but... These new nerds that think yards per play, yards per play, yards per play, yards per play. Like that's all I hear. And and like I think of the I think of the the Mike Tyson quote, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. There's other ways to play football. And well, there to, is. to think that old school football, hitting people, physical, special teams, stuff like that, to think that that doesn't count y- your you're you're just a little too nerdy for me. Remember in 2018, Northwestern I think was 13th in the Big Ten in offensive yards per play and went to the championship game. Okay, Northwestern. I'm thank you for bringing up Northwestern because 
Chappie and I had a little bit of a conversation that, uh, about this on, on DMs behind the scenes. Northwestern is a perfect example. They yeah. they fly in the face of these nerdy stats all the time because there are wins that that survive and in, in the ledger of of stats that just don't show up. I don't know, man. It just has drove. Me. And, and the other thing too is I'm not again. Stats matter, okay, but it's not a rule. The only rule is who scores more points right. at the end of the game. But like yards per play and explosive plays. Well, what happens if your defense is elite at preventing yards per play and explosive sure. plays? Doesn't that matter just as much the opposite way when you stop the other team from doing it? That's why the difference is always good. Yards per play, offense versus defense. See what the difference is, positive yeah. or negative. Now, I do like the stat. However, we're two games in, and, and some people have played Sisters of the Poor twice, and Bingo. some people have yeah. played Power 5 teams twice, and some have played one of each. It's not relevant yet at this point in the season. And that's what I was trying to make a point once on Twitter. Can we at least a, use context here a little bit? Like, I am very confident to say Iowa State's going to wind up with a top 10 defense. I believe it's that good. It, it was last year. Indiana's got a pretty good defense, too. My guess is if most football teams even with really good offenses started out the year playing Indiana and on the road to Iowa State their stats too would yeah. look pretty poor sure. or at least less than they yeah, are I don't think so. it really starts coming into play to about mid-season it, it really takes about four or five games in I before so. you can really yeah. do it because then at that point essentially you played a couple bad games teams you played a couple good teams something in the middle so all right was that too ranty? Not too ranty. Okay. I felt like I just wanted to get that off my chest. Okay. Week three, Big Ten schedule. We have got 12 games all times. Our Central Standard Time, just to say that again. One on Friday, 11 on Saturday. And before we get going, I want to say to the listeners, I've been pretty hot to start the year. Uh, so you got a choice right now. You can either fade me or ride with me because I'm telling you, I'm either going to stay hot or I'm going to fall off the cart. I'm giving you the listener, the option. If you are foolish enough to take my gambling advice to heart. Well, I, I did well last week. I'll say that. Yeah. It's all on Juan to track that stuff. Not me. So he can tell you if you have questions, ask, okay. ask what is it? Juan, Juan Dale. Yep. The he Husker does a great fan. job. Yep. I, you know, now that I think about it, I forgot to retweet his, I'll do it next week. Juan Dale, my bad. I got busy. Forgot about that. But, um, anyways, I, and then looking at these games this week, here's the deal. Most of these games, I feel really good about. Like some of them, I I, I just There's, think Vegas is wrong and I'm right, which should scare the heck out of me. Sure, like absolutely. A, it is a 100% warning because, again, there's always some sort of boomerang effect. All right, you ready? Yes. Okay, first game up, Friday, September 17th. And holy cow, who's first? Again, Illinois, earliest game yeah. of the week, one week. Earliest game timeways. Correct. And with earliest, they're first in again. And they're first in the alphabet in the Big Ten. Dude, they're just, we just got to work we're, on the standing We're first in part. everything, except, you know, forget about the winning we just and the do first the standing places part, and that so. stuff. All right, who we got? We've got the Maryland Terrapins going on the road to go into Champaign to pay the Illinois Fighting Illini. This is an 8 o'clock p.m. game central time, which is a, it's a 9 o'clock p.m. East Coast time. Right. Could be some Terps fans a little tired on on uh, Saturday. This is on FS1. The line kind of just went beep boop beep. Didn't really move too mm. much. It is now at Maryland by seven and a half over under sixty point five. Looking pretty hot and dry during the evening. Vegas is saying about thirty four to twenty six Terps. 
All right, so a little info on the Illini this week. Brandon Peters has been named the starter. Of course, he was injured out the last couple weeks with that separated shoulder. Now, he didn't take any reps the previous week, so he's basically been been taking reps for one week, one full week. So I don't know how effective he's going to be. The wide receiver group is getting healthier. Mike Epstein is out. We don't know how long. I'm guessing the season. Plenty of running backs, but it's just – a shame that poor Mike can't stay healthy. I know, I know. So that's six out of the last seven years of his career have ended in injury, if, if indeed he's out for the year. Um, that should be like a trivial sports trivia pursuit question. Name the Big Ten player that played seven seasons and was injured for six of them. Oh, uh, wait. Mike Dudek. No, try again. <laughs> Mike Epstein. Oh, you got you, that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, I don't mean to make a joke out of that, but that was pretty funny. Um, so speaking of the running backs, that's what we need. Friday night. Well, that's my question. Will they get a chance to establish the run Friday night, or will it just be they're they're down fourteen nothing after the blink of an eye like they were last week, and you just have to abandon it and start throwing the ball? Like the the bullish sticking with the run that Beetle did versus Nebraska, like pretty much second, third, I mean into the fourth quarter too when they had the lead, even when it wasn't working all that great, they stuck with it. I. I I think that's what we need to do Friday night. You think night. so? Y- yes. Okay, let's see. The first quarter looks like last week against Virginia, where they are just sprinting up and down the field. You keep running the ball. Yes. Okay. Because now, the, really quickly, you can get back. I'm not saying don't throw the ball at all, right? But but a heavy dose of, of run, don't be afraid to run on first down type of thing. Slow the game down. Keep Maryland's offense off the field as much as you possibly can, because if they get into rhythm, that's where locks Absolutely. and Tulia just take over whatever it needs to do. Now, the other way, and we'll get to Maryland, obviously, but the other thing you can do that I just haven't seen, get to the quarterback. I just yeah. I haven't seen it. No, hasn't so, been happening. How, and you, not only they're not getting the quarterback, but wide receivers are just running free. Like It's a bad combination. Like you had the bar set pretty low for the pass defense, it's worse. they've rolled underneath. It. Absolutely. So, and, and I had the bar set low for the pass rush. They've rolled under that. Too. Yeah. Okay. So now, who do we play coming in? One of the hottest offenses in the I mean, Big Ten. To me, absolutely. This is a great matchup. I think from the Maryland side with all the athletes they have, especially at the wide receiver position, and with with Leah Tagovailoa playing fantastic football right now, they they've got to be licking their chops right now looking at this matchup versus the Illini defense. Right. Um, um, like when I look, when we, when me and you were sitting here on Sunday after we recorded watching the Packers game, sorry, Packers fans, um, we, we guessed what the line was going to be. We both guessed higher than what this is. Correct. Yeah. Like, yes. So anyways, we guessed 13, 14 that we thought Maryland would That's be thought, yeah. favored. Um, then we, it came out seven, it went up at one point to eight, but now it's back down to seven and a half. So basically the, 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 uh, I never, I could never get a a read on the public, but it didn't, it didn't go one way that far. So like, and, and our, and our, our guy Chappie, he likes the Illini. There are things going on here that I know. Chappie likes the Illini in this game and the points. I don't know if he's picking Illini to win. The thought process is. Locks going on the road. I don't believe Locks has ever that. won three games in a row as a coach ever. So there's that. Like it's you. We haven't seen a Locks team 
stay consistent for three whole weeks. No. And and the road deal makes a difference, too. Okay, so the line have looked really sloppy the last couple of weeks. Maryland, typically a sloppy-looking team. So I'm also looking at who's making the most mistakes here, and I think coaching's going to play into it. But for me, I like Maryland running away, and I'm not going to wait any. I'm just going right off the bat with my double barrel. Lock of the week. I've got Maryland 44, the Illini 20 for an easy Terps cover, and that's an over. Remember when I said, folks, you either ride or fade me right from the beginning of the podcast? You're going to have a chance to do that right now. This is also my Amador double barrel lock of the week. I've got Maryland 42, Illinois 28, so that's 70 and a pretty far over there, too. Okay, weird things could happen. It could just be that weird deal where suddenly Maryland is playing a little bit more physical defense, and that's the difference. And then the the Maryland passing attack gets off kilter. I can see that game, but right now, I just can't get past all of these guys just running past Illinois defenders, and we have a hot passing attack coming in. I have have to look what Chalk says right now. And and since the Amador is open, (laughs) I might as well just take a swig. All right, that gets us to Saturday, September 18th. We've got 11 games, whole slew of them starting either noon or a little bit before. First one up, why not? Let's start here. The Nebraska Cornhuskers go on the road to play the number three Oklahoma Sooners. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Fox. Line Sooners by 22 over under 61.5. Going to be hot in Norman. We're talking like 95 degrees by the middle of this game. Vegas is saying something like a 42 to 20 type of game. 75% of the money is on the Sooners. Good news for Nebraska fans. They get to go to a Big 12 stadium and get some Big 12 refs. So they finally actually get a break in the ref department. You know what? I think I'm on their side with that right now. <laughs> like it was it was bad. <laughs> If, if I could say so, I don't know if it was quite as bad as some Nebraska well, fans was. Of course. Making, but, but it was bad. It was, it was ugly and bad last week. I mean, there, the was, there were plays I'm watching the game, and I'm like, well, that's, there's no way that they're going to give that to Buffalo. And sure enough, there yeah. you go. They it give was it weird. to Buffalo. Like any kind of jump ball call went against Nebraska. Every time. Yeah. Every time. The one thing I, w- I tried to point out to, to a lot of Nebraska fans is, so we had 14 games last week. And, and if I, I, memory serves me correct, 10 of them were in Big Ten stadiums. We are getting down to the barrel scraping bottom oh, for these ref crews. And no offense, but Nebraska Buffalo isn't going to get the B squad. They probably Fair. got the C squad. So hopefully it won't be as bad now. I can collectively hear Nebraska fans rolling their eyes out of their skull right now because it's not like it's the only instance where Big Ten refs have looked bad, but it's just something to take in consideration from last week. Good point. So Oklahoma looked sloppy in that first game against Tulane and then, you know, Sisters of the Poor last week. The West Carolina Catamounts. Yeah, the Catamounts. That's a good name. Catamounts is great. Just didn't know they, they were playing. Oklahoma. We got another good name coming up. Yeah, later in the cast. Okay. Oh, yeah, we yeah. do. Okay, I yeah. think I know which one you're talking about. Right, um, but but my so the point I want to make there is I'm not sure the Western Carolina game counts. It kind of is game two, but my big thing is the the biggest improvement from teams comes from week one to week two. So yeah, how much has Oklahoma put that sloppiness of the Tulane game behind them? Now I hear what you're saying. Obviously, the week one to week two thing plays. Um, they looked pretty good 
first and second quarter of yeah, that they, game. Yeah, they kind of let Tulane back in the game. I mean, they now Tulane was moving the ball on Oklahoma's defense even earlier in the game more than they should have. But there was no denying the Oklahoma offense. It, it it looked good in both games, or at least at stretches of the time. So switch it over to Nebraska. Okay, call me crazy, all right? But I, I again, when I am talking to Big Ten fans, uh, maybe it's you know you were a, a you know brother, cousin, buddy, whatever, and I start listing off all of the good defenses in the Big Ten. Okay. I might not list Nebraska's right off the top of, of my tongue. I mean, that's going to go to Wisconsin, Iowa, a couple others. Penn State. Penn State. But not too far after that, I am still remain bullish on the Nebraska defense. They're in the next tier. Next tier down. I yep. think so. Maybe second, the, maybe third group if you really wanted to get yeah, could close be, with it. But. Could be towards the bottom of the second tier, let's okay, say. Okay, something like that, all right? Yeah. There is a way, in my opinion, where... <laughs> If Scott Frost allows it, and we'll get to that, this defense, this Nebraska defense, could dictate how this game feels because I personally don't think – now, Oklahoma's got big talented guys up front. Don't get me wrong. But, like, they haven't had a physical game this year like this that I believe is coming at them with this Nebraska defense. Do you think I'm crazy with that? No. I mean, it's clearly the most physical defense they played. I don't and, think it's even close. And I just – I don't think Spencer Rattler is – the great like it he is a step down from the Baker Mayfields and the absolute you know Kyler Murray's like the studs they've had he's just not that good we haven't seen it yet now Nebraska played a decent game last week but the thing that keeps sticking in my head is this is this team lost to Illinois and we've seen what Illinois has looked like the last two weeks that's right in the front of my mind when I'm thinking about this score I would have to think as Nebraska fans, they just they start sipping the Kool-Aid. It's later in the week now. It takes them to like Wednesday or Thursday before they start drinking it down and feeling a little bit better about Try to stay but, sober Monday, Tuesday. Right. Yep. You know, get some work done, get stuff, maybe get some yard work done. Then 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 as they're starting to sip it, just the little quick bitter taste is what you just said. Like I don't know how you can forget that nope. Illinois game right now. The other thing too. Like, these are the guys that are possibly out of this game for the Nebraska offense. Austin Allen went out last week. Travis Volkolek has not played yet no. this year. We It's not looking great. Oliver Martin has been out the last yeah. two weeks. Omar Manning was out. Yeah. I mean, I, are every one of those guys going to be out for this game? I don't think so, but it's like a mixture of those guys are coming back, and then how healthy are they? Speaking of Oliver Martin... Um, if he's back, for the love of God, Scott Frost, put him back to return punts or somebody else other than Cam Taylor Britt. Yeah. Every time Cam Taylor Britt goes back there, something happens. Last week, I don't think he yelled, Peter, 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 knocked off his own player's helmet. Stop it. Like, And if Cam Taylor Britt is back there because Scott Frost is going to remain bullish, Godspeed, okay? But if this game is decided on Cam Taylor Britt doing something silly back there, it's on you, Scott Frost. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because let's say the game's going well for the Cornhuskers. They're really looking great on defense. They're making some plays on offense. You just have to factor in the mistakes that are going to be made because we keep seeing them going into year four now. So it's just you have to overcome those. You have to expect they're going to be there and overcome them to win the game. And, and I don't see that happening against a team ranked number three. 
And speaking of the bar being set low and things rolling underneath it, like I'm listening to a lot of Nebraska fans and they're, and they essentially are saying we don't expect to win the game, which is not how we would have ever heard a Nebraska fan not that long ago. They are begging. Can we just see what our team looks like when it plays clean? That's it. That's for the most part. That's what they're asking. I don't think you're going to find out this year. So for that, for those reasons, I'm going with an easy Oklahoma win and a cover by the Oklahoma Sooners. I'm going Oklahoma 45, Nebraska 17, and that's an over. Okay, that is that's a 45 to 17 final score. Okay, Um, I'm a little bit feeling a little bit different from you now. If I heard you or anybody else say they're betting the mortgage on Oklahoma, it's not like... It's not my lock of the week. No, okay. I would not talk them out of it. I understand where that person's coming from. I just have this feeling that Nebraska is going to play very good defense, okay? I think partly because they have to, they're going to run the ball. They're going to stick with the run more than what I know. So Adrian Martinez is going to run the ball, huh? Yes. Okay. Okay, I'm, in certain like when you play Fordham and Buffalo, you to, shouldn't do it. But I just had to make clear that it was Adrian Martinez, correct, who's going to run the ball. And they're going to be a little bit of running back mixed in there too. But yeah, that's that's going to be part of it. And by the way, do that. Don't chuck the ball all around the field because that's what Oklahoma's defense is built to do: is to defend those type of of offenses. So run the ball on whoever is available to run the ball. I think they'll do that. But I've got Oklahoma thirty-one. Nebraska 17. So that's a Nebraska slight cover and quite a bit, quite a bit under at 48. All right. Next game up, the I mean, dude, this is another good game. Yeah, I, I, this I, is one I was really sad we didn't get to see last year. For sure. Yeah. Like Miami. This, so Miami coming up to play right in East Lansing. Would have been interesting. Now, maybe certain Michigan State fans are happy that game didn't happen. Yeah, last I mean, maybe last... it, things sure seem to look better. But anyways, all right, let's get to it. The Michigan State Spartans flying down south to take on the number 24-ranked Miami Hurricanes. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on ABC. Line Canes by 6.5, over under 56.5. Going to be hot, going to be wet. Vegas says 31-24 to Miami. 73% of the money, though, is on the hot Spartans. Speaking of hot, that's what I wanted to talk about right off the bat. Those guys are confident right now after beating Northwestern, <laughs> after after pummeling Youngstown State. And it's not just that they won those games. It's that they have this newfound explosive offense that we haven't seen since, I don't know, like since when? I could not tell you. but <laughs> been a long time. Michigan State fans are going to have to help me out with that. No, no, no fault to D'Antonio. D'Antonio won the games how well, yeah. he won games, but it, it just didn't but involve I, an explosive offense. But there were times prior to D'Antonio when they had some explosiveness. Yeah. But it's just, it's been a tick. So they're, they're having fun. The fans are having fun. Wait, can I, can I just interject there real quick? Sure. The fans are having fun, like. It, you're you just feel like bubbling up on Twitter. Like oh, yeah. Michigan State fans, like out of the blue, I picked up like 15 Michigan State followers. Just boom, like oh, I, that around that Northwestern game, and then like I'm trying to like come up with an analogy, but it's almost like it's almost like some neighbors that you kind of like, but they're really loud, and sometimes you wish they would just quiet down. It would be like they went away for a couple months, like a long vacation, and you're like got used, like oh, it's been nice, and then all of a sudden they come back. And you you hear that first party like, and you're like, 
oh my god, they're they're right around the corner. That's Michigan State fans if they pull this win off. Like I just think they're gonna freaking explode. Right. Look at the look at the next seven weeks. Nebraska, Western Kentucky, Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan, Purdue, Maryland. You're you're trying to tell me they wow. couldn't go five and two, six and one in six those and games? One maybe is a little stretching it, but yeah. I mean, you saying. know, they, I guess they could. You go down to Miami and win this game. Any one of, you know, like, I, I, it would be hard for them to run that. But I'm just saying, like, anything's kind of possible at and, that point. And, and here's then, what gives me a little confidence about that is I'm starting to think that maybe Michigan State might ultimately have a coaching advantage because we're, we talked about how last year was week or was year zero. I'm sorry for Mel Tucker. This really was year one. If there's any ever been that has been the case, this is it. And now we see two really well-played games in a completely different offense. They might have found a really good coach. And just it's the players that they brought in are clicking. Uh, on the other side, I don't know if Miami's found a really good coach. I mean, first week they, they did what happens to somebody every year. They got blasted by Miami, but then they barely beat an okay UAB team. 25 I it was to, App State. Wasn't App it? State. I, I was yep. at App State. Okay. Uh, quarterback is De'Aaron King. All right. Everybody knows De'Aaron King. People are kind of wondering if he is healthy. Okay. I think it's a good question. Um, and then the rest, I mean, basically well, so, all of, all of their players, if they've, if they're, if somebody has got an apostrophe in their name, Derek King, Cam, Ron Harris, key, Sean Smith, if, if, if somebody with an apostrophe has got this, the, the ball in his hands, watch out. Cause that's their playmakers on this team. Well, so Derek King, is he healthy? He's only eight months off in ACL right now, but he's looked pretty good in the I, first couple games. Like to the point where he didn't get a chance to bust out cause he, the first week because he played sure. Alabama. Second week, they did what they had to do to win the game. Could you maybe see a little bit healthier, a little bit ready to go Derek King this week? It's not crazy well, to think like that. Eight months off an ACL, you can't be all that confident the first week. Maybe a little more confident to say. So that, that confidence is growing. Okay. So that's something to think about. And, and then Michigan State's defense looked a little bit better last week versus a overmatched Youngstown State. Okay. But... That first week against a not-so-explosive Northwestern, it was leaky at times. Yeah. All right. You want, I'm going to quote George Costanza. You ready? Please. <laughs> you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts! Michigan State 44, Miami 41. That is way over 85 points. I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> Shit's going to go crazy down in Coral Gables on Saturday morning. Well, I mean, I could I could kind of see that happening. One of the reasons is because Manny Diaz, the head coach, is also the defensive coordinator. They don't have a defensive coordinator on the staff. Like, someone called a defensive coordinator. That is him. He is calling the defense, and we've seen that before. He's not very good. I don't know. I don't. I didn't see it that way. I think the heat does play into this for the Spartans, unfortunately. I'm going to – I wanted to pick Michigan State to win this game, and I tried to, and I couldn't do it. So I'm going Miami 31 – Michigan State 21, so that's a Miami cover and an under. Ride with me, Sparty fans. I'm with you. Let's have some fun. And by the way, I hope you're right. I know you do. I know you do. All right, next game up, Northern Illinois traveling into the big house to take on the number 25 ranked Michigan Wolverines, quietest ranking that Michigan has ever had, sneaking in. And my thought process is people are like, I, I kind of see it. I, they, well, that's they, the thing. They it's, believe they should be there. Okay. 
they it is an actual deserved ranking and nobody paid attention to it. How, how weird cra- is that? How crazy is that? So, yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense because you see year after year them being ranked and people are like, well, that's a little too high. Come on, let's pump the brakes. So I guess they get the attention because they're overrated usually, right? But they seem appropriate rated right I, now. I definitely think they deserve it. Uh, 11 o'clock a.m. game. This is on Big Ten Network line. Wolverines by a healthy 27 over under 54. So Vegas is saying something like a 41 to 14 game. 80 degrees, pretty dry. 63% of the money is on Michigan. So they beat, Northern Illinois beat Georgia Tech. Yeah. In week one. Kind of quietly. That was a pretty crazy game. There, there's just so many FCS stuff going on. Like that one just, there was so much stuff going on in week one. That one just kind of slipped in it there. It kind of slipped by me too. But do you know who the quarterback is? <laughs> Rocky! Rocky Lombardi. Uh, so, hey, this, how, how about this for his stats yeah. to start the year? Oh, I know. Could they be any more Rocky Lombardi? Oh, God, no. 30 of 53, 369 yards, three touchdowns, three picks. Yes. Like, it's... The only thing that's crazy is that wasn't just one game for him. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, that that plays in here, though. Like, he's he he's a Sparty guy, right? I guess. This yeah. is a this is rivalry game for him. Was And was the game last year in the big house? I can never remember because there was no fans because you can't get a yeah. feel. But I think that was in the big house when Michigan State won last year, wasn't I don't it? recall. Um, so, here's the other thing. Here's another, here's another stat for you. Uh, Northern Illinois, even though they beat Georgia Tech, and then they outlasted Wyoming. They have given up 462 yards rushing in the first game, which is a, if my math is correct, a 231 yards per game rushing they've given up. In comes this Michigan rushing attack. Woof. So I thought they lost to Wyoming. They, they did lose yeah, to Wyoming. Lost, my bad. They, they beat, but they almost did because they came correct, back. They were coming bad. back from behind. Right. Did not, beat Georgia Tech, lost to Wyoming. Yeah. Long story short, they've okay. given up 231 rushing yards Boy. per game. Now you got, I, I mean, this is a rushing attack unlike what we've ever seen at Michigan or at least. Well, last two years. But even when Michigan was like up and running, it was just more of a mix. It was always yeah, a true. big part of the passing attack. I have never seen a Michigan offense in my memory. Jordan or somebody else can help me. This is this is like this is like service academy leaning on the rush right now. Yeah, okay. In terms of leaning on the rush, for sure. Not saying they can't throw the ball like a service academy. Maybe like a, a Wisconsin team could be, but like. But you're talking about last last week how they only threw the ball a handful of times. And but even like, the first week, I mean, it was you know there was a couple uh, magical throws by the backup when he came in. Don't get me wrong, JJ but McCarthy, JJ yeah. McCarthy. But, but so one of the things I want to see is I do want to see them out a little bit. I mean, because you have to expect that they're going to win this game. And that they'll probably win, but you know, somewhat comfortably. So right. we've got to develop somewhat of a passing yes. game, especially with Ronnie Bell out now for the year. So de- definitely feel the same way. If you want to mix in both quarterbacks, I am fine with that. But with that being said, I I want to see Blake Corum bust off another fifty yard run. Yeah. I just love watching that dude run. He is he's he's moving up the ranks for my my man crush guys. Like I had J.K. Dobbins, you know. Last but you, are you years. a stan yet? Because I'm a stan. I'm not. Really, you're gonna you're gonna outstand me for Blake Corum. I I, 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 I declared I standum last last podcast. Okay, I feel like I got I feel like you usurped me there a little bit, but okay. Hey, you didn't jump on it, man. I took I pretty it. much did in the off season. You didn't stand him. Okay, that's fair. 
we sound like we're in 14 <laughs> years old right now, but but Hassan Haskins too. But yes, long story short, I want to see more of a passing attack, but maybe I'm a little bit hard to please because I want to see them th- run the ball down Northern Illinois' throat too. I think they'll do that. So I've got Michigan 40, Northern Illinois 14. So that is, fi- oh shoot, uh, Michigan uh 40, Northern Illinois, 13. That's right. So that's uh, 53 points. I just went under. I think Michigan running the ball that well will shorten the game down. But I've got uh, uh, Northern Illinois with just a slight cover. Okay. So I went, it's not that far away from you. I went Michigan 38, Northern Illinois 10. So that's barely a Wolverines cover. And that's an under. All right, this moves us on to our last 11 o'clock a.m. game of the day. We got another good one. I don't know how this is going to happen for my TV set in the morning. It's going to be, it's going to get a workout. The number eight ranked Cincinnati Bearcats coming in to Bloomington to play the Indiana Hoosiers. As I said, 11 o'clock a.m. game. This is on ESPN line Bearcats by four. Hmm. Over under 50. 80 degrees, maybe potential rain kind of going in and out of the forecast. Vegas is saying right now something along the lines of 27 to 23 Cincinnati. All right. So Cincinnati, well-coached team. Yep. Great defense. Yes. Pro-style offense. Mm-hmm. Control the clock. They do that too. But can throw the ball as well. Correct. I, this is a good team. It's a really good team. Yes. It's it's. I would say it's a more rounded team than the Indiana Hoosiers, if you just look at it on paper. Yes. Hoosiers have some glaring weaknesses. You don't see a lot of glaring weaknesses from the Cincinnati Bearcats. So why the four-point spread? Okay. (laughs) Like, this was the second one. I I have been all over the the page here, okay? Let's talk about Indiana maybe real quick, okay? Because you kind of already alluded to it. I feel great about Indiana's defense, top to bottom. Right? You too? Yes. Okay. No doubt. You, you weren't responding there, so I wasn't sure. I feel great about India. The rushing attack, I don't feel great about, but it's looked a little bit better. It, it had moments versus yeah. Iowa. It definitely had moments last week. Hard to tell because the, the competition was so far down. Okay? But it's looked a little bit better. But the, the passing attack, we are concerned about. It, it, it just, as we've kind of said for a while, it's just too dependent on big plays and methinks Luke Fickle is a smart enough coach where he also understands that. So my thought process is their game plan is going to look freakishly similar to what Iowa did on week one, which is try to make their quarterback, Michael Penix, move down the field consistently moving the ball. I don't, I, I just, there's no other way I can see this. Yeah. And I, we haven't seen that. And to be honest, in, in the past, I mean, we really hadn't seen it quite. It wasn't as bad as this year, but it, that's never what they were in the past. A, ma- a meticulous offense yeah. moving that. No, they're they're and, very much built and, on the big plays. And we haven't seen those big plays out of like Ty Freifogel, for instance, this nope. year. Nope, hasn't been happening. No. I want to see DJ Matthews more in this correct in this offense. I want to see Peyton Hendershot. So I do think there is something off about the Hoosiers, but let's not forget this is still a proud. Hoosiers team and proud very program. well coached Hoosier team. I think they're going to be playing in front of a frenzied yes. memorial. Like, like, and so they're it, this is at Bloomington, so I, that plays into my pick too. But but let, but you know if you go with the typical home bump, okay, which is three points. So yeah. basically they're saying on a neutral field, Cincinnati is a seven point favorite 
over Indiana. Again, this is the eighth-ranked team in the country. Indiana is 1-1, one and one, obviously had a very rough first week. Seven points, or four, however you want to say it, is all that separates these two teams. So why is that? Dude, When? how often does a group of five team have all the pressure on them when they go in to play a Power 5 team? Sure. A Power 5 team that just came off a good year, right. I, I might add. That is interesting to me. But this line is begging you to take Cincinnati. It okay. is it is calling you and texting you and knocking on your door like, hey, dude, dude. Right. Take the Bearcats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that just scares the hell out of me mm-hmm. to take Cincinnati? I understand. Okay. Go for it. Okay. Yeah? I, so I'm thinking the same thing. Okay. So I, I have a great feeling about the Hoosiers on this night, but I'm not ready to pick them. In fact, I'm going to put on my Cincinnati <laughs> Bearcats hat. Oh, my God. That thing's been through the war. I think I can smell it from across the table. That thing's, that, that thing's been places. So I actually bought it like It's a really ragged-looking hat. Oh, it it came worn and everything. Okay. All right. I haven't actually worn it that okay. much. But I, I do have Cincinnati winning this game, 28 28- to 27. I think okay. the Hoosiers do make a game Thriller. out of this. Thriller. Yes, so that's an Indiana cover and an over. Okay. Um, I wanted to. All week long, I was like, I can see it. I can see Indiana winning this game. But in the end, the things that I'm looking at, I just, Cincinnati's a more complete team. The Indiana passing attack in a consistency type of deal, the rushing attack, and I just don't see it. I hope I'm wrong. I think if Indiana is going to win this game, they force turnovers and and do it the old school 2020 way. I just think Luke Fickle's team is too too smart to do it. So I've got Cincinnati 24, Indiana 16, a low scoring game. That's 40. That's a full 10 points under the over-under. All right, at the halfway point. The Eyes on Big podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving into the afternoon... The Minnesota Golden Gophers going up into the mountains, out west to take on the Colorado Buffaloes. This is a noon game. It's on the Pac-12 network. Hope you folks can find that. Line, Buffaloes by two and a half, over under 48.5. So Vegas is saying something like a 26 to 23 Buffalo win. 88 degrees and hot in Boulder. Do you know what? The Carthaginian? Got his first career interception in that stadium. No kidding. Yeah, just thought Folsom it. Field. Folsom Field. I will say, if there's any stadium in college football that I would, that would, I think that's number one on my list to visit is Folsom really? Field. Okay, it, um, it, it's always to me, it's the most picturesque on screen. And to see to see I Ralphie mean, is it Ralphie? Ralphie to see him running out. That's got to <laughs> be like we know. Shout out to Danimal. He's already out there, already partying, oh, because God, Danimal great. gets he ain't gonna be cheated when he travels to a game like this. He's gonna get out there early and and soak in the scene. I think there's a couple other gopher fans that are out there. Would love to hear from you guys when you're out there. Please tweet us. It's there's gonna be a nice mix of Minnesota fans that, that are traveling into Colorado. Well, um be careful of those Buffalo fans, is all I'm gonna say. Well, gopher fans. So so 
And and we're hearing input from Nebraska fans on that. And I almost put out a poll. Maybe I still will. Who are Nebraska fans cheering for in this game? I, it's it's got to be like oh they're going it. for Minnesota. You think so? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think no doubt they're going for Minnesota. So let's talk about Minnesota for a second. We're still waiting for the return of Chris Ottman Bell. I don't know that he's coming back. I don't think we'll find just out. Just doesn't in- seem like the game that he would come back for. Yeah, I guess maybe that's I don't true. Think we're they there yet? Probably save him for a, a conference game. But I do like the way the wide receivers are playing. Uh, Wright is playing great. Jackson's playing great. The running game's still solid. It's not going to be what it was with Mo. I think in this game they can lean on their offensive line yep. and get enough rushing yards yeah. and get some yards through the air. I think they can run a balanced attack here. So here's the thing with Minnesota is they are still talented on offense and to a certain degree defense. They are razor thin. And I believe that's why after week one, you lose Mo Ibrahim, killed you. you not, not, I didn't mean it like that. They didn't kill you, but that hurts. That stings. Definitely kills your depth, okay? I think P.J. is seeing what I'm seeing. I think the reason when they got up big last week and they took their foot off the gas, he's trying to do everything yeah. he can to keep dudes healthy. Because Except he, for Trey Potts. But, but at that point, it's because they just don't have the depth ready at running back. So Trey Potts, I think, again, in this game, he's going to get 25 carries. Probably. See, here is a concern for me, though. The Colorado defense has played really well this year under a new defensive coordinator. I, you would, I would not have expected that. Looking at just their I, roster and new scheme, they look really good. So, so it's either I watched almost that entire Texas A and M Colorado game on replay to get a feel for Colorado. Either Colorado's defense came to play that day, or or Texas A and M's offense has got some real issues, and it's probably a combination of both. Flipping on the other side with Colorado. Their running back, Broussard, is good. His backup, Fontenot, yeah. was a thousand yard rusher two a years, years ago. ago yeah. He's good. And then wide the, receivers. The wide receivers, okay. Now no, they're pretty talented. They're pretty talented, but like quarterback Russell, he's not getting the ball to them. No, that's that's right the now. weakness right now. But dude, when they got the offense going at certain times, was it not Darian Hagan, Eric Bienemy esque? Like, not to that level, don't get me wrong, but that's their offense. It's like an it's like an option. They should lean into that. It's a I'm gonna be intrigued to follow Colorado after this game, like especially how this game turns out. I'm excited to see what what they do. They they were more impressive looking of a football team when I watched them than I had anticipated them being. Darian Hagan, my favorite non Illini college football player of all time. Lee, did you say favorite? Favorite. Favorite, dude. I and I know again, Nebraska ears or fans' ears are probably bleeding, but I love those Colorado teams. Oh, man. so did I. Yeah, but I, I loved Hagen. And I got, did I tell you my Hagen story? I'm not going to tell it on air. Okay, I have a Darian Hagen story. I will tell you off air. Thank you. And then maybe a couple people in DMs because they're going to probably sure. want to know. But all right. So, anyways, long story short, I do think Minnesota can lean on that that rushing attack. I am concerned though about the Minnesota defense. Okay. Well, like, yes, we I, have to talk I, about the Minnesota defense. Like it. It, but it didn't look bad last week. It no, just looked like... And it, even even against Ohio State, I know they gave up a ton of yards and they gave up a ton of big plays, but there were times you're like, okay, they're coming together. They could, I could see them being a good defense this year. But I think 
where they get tagged on defense is against passing attacks. I don't see well, they a got passing tagged. attack this week. I mean, everybody's going to get tagged versus Ohio State. In the past. Even the Ducks got tagged versus the Ohio State passing attack, so no shame there. I just don't think this is the week where the the bust could potentially happen with Minnesota's defense. I, I think they'll overall look good with, I don't know, spots of times where they don't look so good. Okay, well... I just this I guess just call this a gut feeling. I get what you're saying about the the depth and all that. I just I feel good about PJ coaching this team up. We've seen him do a good job with it overall in his tenure. I like Minnesota in this game. I don't love him in this game, but I'm calling Minnesota 27, Colorado 23 for a Minnesota cover, easy cover and the over. All right, minor I can upset. I just want to say this, your prediction at one point was on the page for sure. me. Minnesota fans, okay? But <laughs> ugly game alert. Ugly game alert. I can feel it in my bones. And when you got an ugly game, you go under and then you err towards the home team. I've got Colorado 22, Minnesota 20. So that's a half point cover for the Gophers and under 42. So that's six and a half points. Under the over-under. All right, moving a little bit further into the afternoon. We're not quite up to 2.30 yet. The Purdue Boilermakers going a little ways down the road to play to take on the number 12. Notre Dame fighting Irish. 1.30 p.m. game on NBC, of course. Line Irish by 7.5 over-under 58. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of 34 to 27 Irish. Going to be hot. Going to be dry. Money. 50-50, man. Mm. We're talking maybe like 52 to 48 on, on Notre Dame. Not a lot of confident Notre Dame fans right now. Right, but that's interesting if you had like if you had set the line before the season, <laughs> you wouldn't have put it anywhere. It would have, it would have much, at least been 14. At least 14. Like this this has at least been cut in half, if not maybe by like a third. Yeah, I don't and, know. Something and, like and that. And Purdue deserves some of that, yeah. although they've beaten two bad teams. But here's the real bad news for Purdue is running back Xander Horvath is out with a broken leg. And it's a it broke. Never remember tibia, fibia. Can't. It's one of the two. But it's bro- and, and I've, saying, I've made it. I've made it this far in life without really needing to tell the difference. So I think I'm just. Gonna, I'm never gonna yeah. learn it. I'm. I'm gonna. <laughs> Stop trying. But they're saying four to eight weeks. But yeah. I don't know, man. Don't know that, that seems works. like a season-ending yeah. injury to me. So we take a already suspect running game, and then being kind, suspect running game, and making it worse. So they're just going to have to lean even more heavily on David Bell and Payne Durham. But as far as our Spider-Man meme, uh, another Same team day, yeah. that can't run the ball. I know. Like, Notre Dame is awful. And yes. they have been cramming the ball down people's throats for like two, three, four years. It seemed like they were putting a first or second rounder on the offensive line into the draft every year. The other thing too, I watch running back Kyron Williams run the ball. He's amazing. Honestly, he is one of my favorite running backs in division one football. They just can't get him going. It's it's insane. And the other thing is neither of these teams are good at stopping the run. So like what is going (laughs) So you've got I don't know. so you've got I, obviously the potent passing offense of Purdue. How potent can the passing offense of Notre Dame be with Jack Cohn at the helm? Dude, Jack Cohn has been unconscious. Well, he's been good. No, I know, but but I'm. Did you see last week when he had his finger popped back in awesome. place and went through the game when he touched it? Was incredible. It's insane. No, he's been great, but can he keep that up? Do you think? I mean, is the trifecta defensive coordinators like? Are you going <laughs> into this game? You're game planning for Jack Cohn. I, I mean, honestly, like, 
just just flip a quarter up in the air for this to a certain as far as the line. I've got Notre Dame 38, Purdue 28. Hmm. I think a couple of those, maybe one or two of those touchdowns will be a bit garbage timey. Okay. I think Purdue will get to the point where you're a little bit nervous that they're going to cover, but I'll, I'll take Purdue and at 66, that's an over. Okay, so I'm a little bit different than you. I got Notre Dame winning the game, but I, I have it closer than you do. 37 to 33. I've got Ugh. a feeling these Boilers are going to make this okay. actual contest, and that's an over. So Purdue covering an over. 37 to 33. 37 to 33. I kind of like that score. Yeah. That, so that, 70 points. I might... I kind of want to trade my score for your score okay. right now. That sounds pretty good. It okay. looks pretty on paper, too. <laughs> it does look good. All right, next game up. We are finally into the 2.30 time. Tulsa. Oh, I didn't write there. Who are they? Tulsa Hurricanes. or Golden Hurricanes. Golden Hurricanes. The Golden Hurricanes. Going into the horseshoe to play a pissed-off number nine-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. 2.30 p.m. game FS1. I always think when I see Ohio State on FS1, it's like, okay, they're playing a crap opponent. But you can't like banish them off to like Big Ten Network or something. We're like, okay, FS1. How about yeah. FS1 for yeah. Ohio State? Okay, there we go. Um, line bucks by 24 and a half over under 61. So Vegas is saying something like 44 to 17, 80 degrees, maybe a little bit of rain in that area, but going to be hot. And speaking of hot, Ryan Day was hot this week at his press conference holding no, nothing back on what he thinks about his defensive staff. Didn't exactly call out Kerry Coombs by name, but we pretty much knew who he was talking about. I've heard rumors that Ryan Day was literally on the market for a new defensive coordinator this week. Like, screw it. Let's bring somebody in. This is ridiculous. Well, it's pathetic. They they can't sack the quarterback. They don't disrupt in the backfield at all. Their linebackers are completely lost. They're getting torched in the defensive backfield. There, There's not a, really a good aspect of their defense right now. I guess you can say Haskell Garrett still kind of looks good, but he's right. not making plays. Because one guy can't do it by right. himself. I mean, they can, they can do a blocking scheme to, to, get, to take care of one person. Um, and then they lost a DB this week, too. Oh, so, good point. Josh Proctor out for the year. I mean, that's one of their best players. Like, so, but but let's let's be honest here, okay? Because they still got talent. I don't care. It, there are there is talent on this defense. It, it's young in places for sure. But get your poop in a group. Get in a zone defense with all eyes in the backfield. <laughs> react up and. Beat somebody's ass. I mean, this is Ohio State. And just use good eye discipline. I'm, you can't go wrong against a team like Tulsa. Correct. Um, Tulsa lost to UC Davis, 19-17. to And then Oklahoma State fought them hard, but lost 28-23. to They got a quarterback, Davis Brin. Um, they're kind of predicted, like, they were predicted top half of the AAC, but I don't think they're looking real good. You know what we need out of, out of Ohio State? A top 50 defense, and their quarterback to not overthrow guys. Well, That's it. Now, yeah. I, you could nitpick the rushing attack. Yeah, I will a little bit. I, now, I expect more out of it. We're, the rushing attack is going to be fine. That is my opinion. In they, this need, they need to mix. They need to get Travion Henderson more and more mixed in, even if he's not quote-unquote ready. I think they'll do that. The rushing attack will look better starting uh, about 240 on Saturday. Good, 240 thing. Okay, now Tulsa did have a great defense last year, and they okay. returned pretty much everybody, but you can't 
you look at that UC Davis scoring, how good can they possibly be? But I just don't think think things are good in Buckeye land right now. So I do think they win this game. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think it's I don't think they blow them out off of the screen. I think they win forty one to nineteen. That's a Tulsa cover and an under. I like okay. the under here. Wow. We are opposite of each other, my friend. Okay. I think a focused Ohio State team is going to get multiple wide receivers to get touches, keeping guys out of the transfer portal and happy. I've got Ohio State fifty two, okay. Tulsa twenty, so that's a seventy two point over. But yet enough out of the Tulsa offense where you still walk away as a Buckeye fan thinking, God dang it, we should still look better than that. It'll look better, not quite as good as you want it to be. All right, next game up, Delaware coming into Piscataway to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. 2.30 p.m. game, Big Ten Network, of course. Line, no line. Over, under, no line. We don't have that set. So 80 degrees and hot. Okay, Rutgers, this is not a bad Delaware team. There has been, I believe, eight upsets of FCS over FBS teams. Wake up, Rutgers. We need you to pay attention in this game. I'm not saying you're going to lose it. I'm saying you could if you don't play a little bit better offensively this week. Well, that's the thing. I love this Rutgers defense. I love Greg Schiano. Really don't love that offense. But, yes, Delaware, they, they beat Maine 34-24. They beat perennial powerhouse st francis of pennsylvania the the red flash 27 to 10 so some of these yeah, games that i I've, i swear to god i've learned eight new teams this year i don't know what's going I, I mean, on i here. think i've heard of st francis pennsylvania but the not. red flash I had no idea never heard that I had no idea but this is the kind of game it's kind of it's your offensive get right game use this to find some type of identity that you can use for the rest of the year on offense i have literally that written down that identity needs to start with isaiah Pacheco. Yes. Get Isaiah Pacheco going. Look, even remember when they had putrid offenses? At least they could still run with us, what Isaiah is going Pacheco. On? There's I got don't to know. be something going on with the offensive line. It, uh, the, maybe this is a worse offensive line than we even thought coming into the season. Like we didn't expect it very, like a strong offensive line, but th- this might be even, this is a step back than what we thought it was. Yes. Again, there was. There was manufactured plays last year. This is a really young, yeah. unique offensive coordinator. Something's up. I just uh, yeah, cannot a, put okay. my finger on Let's it. Let's call out Sean Gleason. I'm I'm What's looking at you to make this offense serviceable. And it starts now yeah. against the blue hens. Okay. All right. I don't think it will though. I just I think they'll they'll just get through it. I, I would love okay. to know what this spread would be. I've got Rutgers 28, Delaware 17. A lot of points mm. out of Delaware. A little garbagey time type okay. of points. But I got 28-17. Okay, I'm a little bit different than you. I got Rutgers winning the game 33-10. to 10. 33? So I'm, that's five points more. It's only five points it's more only five points. It's, it's just hard for me to see 33. I had 30-31 at point. I, I choked her back. Okay. Yeah. Rutgers, I think you can do it. Okay. Next game up, the Kent State Golden Flashes coming into Kinnick Stadium to take on the number five ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network. Line Hawks by a robust 22 and a half over under 56.5. All right. Usually means a lot to a little. uh, Vegas is saying 40 to 17 Hawkeyes. Going to be a hot day in Kinnick. Pushing 80, 88 degrees, 70% of the money is on the Hawks. So I said 
40 to 17. Can Iowa score 40 points on offense? Well, they may be able to. You know why? Because the the Kent State defense is terrible. Yeah. They gave up 41 points to get this. Texas A&M. <laughs> That's a great shot. Nice work. <laughs> now, but I'll be honest with you. If you track that game, that was actually a pretty decent game through the first half. Like, yeah. like Texas A&M scored a majority of their points in the second half. I don't know what to take away from any of these games Texas A&M is playing in this year. Okay, so on the Hawks, okay. Can Iowa score 40 points? Yes, they can. All right. Do I think Iowa's <laughs> offense is good? I do not. Do I think it's as bad as it's been the last two weeks? I just Okay, it's don't. never as bad as it seems. It's never as good as it seems. Okay. Right? But what the one thing that I think of this entire team that could ca- be categorized in the bad area is literally just vertical passing, downfield passing. I still think they're short to intermediate passing screen game. That stuff is fine. Okay. Not great, but it's pretty good. Can this be the game where Petrus gets the ball downfield? Maybe it's one of the young wide receivers, somebody that's not a tight end. Well, stretch the defense a little bit and and see what we got. Kind of like Rutgers. This is the week to do it. Not a defensive team. If you can't do it this week, I don't know who you can do it against. And then, of course, we've got two uh, uh, defensive backs in this game with multiple interceptions on this season. And, of course, I'm talking about Kent State cornerbacks. Elvis Hines and Monte Miller have three interceptions apiece. Elvis Hines? That's Elvis, a great, nine, Elvis that's a great name. Elvis. I love it. How about that? We have got four corners in this game with two picks or more. So that's, that's incredible. Got, that's got to be some sort of record for the third game in the year. Okay, so Hawkeyes, we know, have a great defense. Kent State last year only played four games. They were an offensive juggernaut. Correct. They, they returned their entire offensive line also from last year, which... That. And their quarterback, Dustin Crum, teeny tiny little running back, Marquise Cooper. Everything is back from last year. Did that extremely physical Texas A&M team just kind of beat them up that much week one? Because they they beat the, another one, VMI Keydets. The Keydets. You, you've heard the Keydets before. I think I've heard it before, but if you had asked me. <laughs> what is who a Keydet? What's a Keydet? I think it's a play on the word cadet because it's a military academy. All right. Um, anyway, they beat them 60 to 10. I don't know even what level they're at. I, I got things. Uh, FCS, I think. Are they FCS? I believe, okay. yeah. So Kent State, to me, right now looks like their offense is a little bit step back from where it was last year, but their defense is just a little bit better than they were last year. But in the end, I have watched this Iowa football game 50 times in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Like, I know exactly okay. what's going to happen here. Kent State's quarterback is going to make some plays. Yeah. He's going to, but consistently down the field, just don't see it. Iowa's offense is going to make some plays. They're going to get the rushing attack going. That's yeah. going to be at the the number one. Yes. Whether, as much as me and other Iowa fans want to see the vertical passing Good point. game, it's they're going to get yes. the rushing attack going. Like I, I could just see Kirk the, just wants to, the clock to run out and get the hell out of there. Just get the hell, keep people healthy. I, yep. if, if we, if we have. 64 snaps instead of 84. That's 20 less yeah. snaps for people to get injured, which, by the way, there's, there's genius a, it's in a that, thing, yeah. too. Iowa 31, Kent State 13. Oh, that's okay. 44 points. <laughs> I can just see it. That's the score. Trust me. Okay, here's my that's advice. A, that's a Kent State cover, by the way. Okay, here's my advice to the Iowa defense. Save the turnovers for another week. <laughs> 
You don't need him this week. Like, it's not unrealistic to think they're going to get two turnovers this week. Right. But it's unrealistic to think they're going to score twice. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, heads. save that for a conference game. Yeah. Save it for Penn State. Okay. Okay, so I'm not too far off from you, but I see it playing out kind of similar. I like Iowa to win the game 31 to 6, so that's an Iowa cover and an under. Oh, we were that close. But we see the pretty much the same game. There. Yes. Okay. Little little side note. The first half over under in that game is 30. Whoa. Under. Yes. Okay. Just a little little something something there for my for our listeners. All right. Next game up a little bit later in the afternoon, 3 o'clock p.m. The Northwestern Wildcats traveling to the East Coast to take on the Duke Blue Devils. Nerd alert. 3 o'clock p.m. game on ACC Network. Line Wildcats by three over under 50. So Vegas is saying 27 to 24 Wildcats, 88 degrees, potentially wet. Could be some rainstorms going through. We don't mm. know. Can I start out with this right here? Please. Evan Hall, 6.9 yard average on 31 carries. Wow. I didn't How? realize it was that good. I mean, I know he's been playing well, but wow. 6.9. That's okay. shocking. Hunter Johnson has got a a, a three to one. Hujo. Touch. I like calling him a Hujo. Okay. So I, I started looking into Northwestern. I'm like, wait a second. Is Northwestern pretty good here? Oh, no. I, I think they might be. Well, and they're playing. <laughs> this is not a good dip team. No. I mean, lost to Charlotte 31-28 to and beat a really bad NCA&T team <laughs> well, 45-45 okay. to 17. Looking into things, did you know that Duke had 39 turnovers in 11 games last year? You're kidding me. No. Wow. Yeah. Hey, real quick. So, real, you know, so David Cutcliffe's still a coach, right? Yeah, Cuddy. Okay. Oh, yeah. Could it, did you real quick? A lifetime contract. Okay. He's basically Fitzgerald, a, a dude. <laughs> I, I meant to say this at the beginning of the pod. I hope there's still people listening. Did you watch the? Sorry, Northwestern. We'll get back to the game. Otherwise, I'm going to forget to say this. Okay. Did you watch the Monday Night Football where Peyton and Eli were doing the? the they were just calling the game a little bit, but just. They had Ray Lewis on. They had different guys oh, on. Oh, no, I didn't watch that. Okay, too bad. It was hilarious, dude. Yeah, it was busy Monday. Yeah. So Peyton Manning tells the story live on the air. I, so one of the stories... So wait, he, t- hold on. Set the backdrop for okay. me. Okay, so t- it, it, the football game is on. The Monday yeah. night football game, it, it, the contest is playing. So it's okay. on a secondary channel. They're, and Eli and Peyton are both watching the game. Right. So they were doing some stuff where but they were... It's not, I'm saying it's not on ESPN. It's on... Yeah, no, it was like on ESPN2. ESPN two. Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. That's I what I mean. It wasn't. On, it wasn't the main broadcast. It was not the main. No, the main broadcast yeah. was the Monday Night Football. Okay. I'm this just trying was, to understand. Okay. Like, I heard comments about. this. I thought you were that caught up. You were that far behind that you didn't know that part. I've, I've okay. had a crazy week. So. Okay. So they're on ESPN two. You can see the game on one side of the TV, and on the other side of the TV, it's Peyton Eli, and then their guest is in between. They had Ray Lewis. They okay. had Chuck. Charles Barkley oh, okay. came on. Oh, okay. Chuck came on. First thing Peyton asked, Chuck, how's your bets doing this weekend, Chuck? <laughs> that was fantastic. Ray Lewis came on. Peyton's like, Ray, Ray, you got to tell the story about the first time Eli's first start was against the Baltimore Ravens okay. and Ray Lewis. And Eli called out. That mic. He goes, 52 is the mic. And Ray Lewis goes, man, I ain't the mic. He's the mic. <laughs> That's awesome. So they tell that story. That was fantastic. But the funniest story is Eli is Eli talk or excuse me, Peyton. He's telling a story about uh, Todd Bowles, and I and I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive Todd Bowles 
is the offensive coordinator for the Ravens. Okay. Okay. So Todd Bowles and John Harbaugh. Okay. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Jimmy Khaki yeah. Pants Khaki. and David Cutcliffe all go over to David Cutcliffe's house with Peyton, and they are trying to recruit Peyton to play for the Ravens. Okay. So instead of going to the Ravens, he obviously that's when he was a free agent and he went to Denver and won a Super Bowl okay. with them. Okay. Peyton tells the story of, of this. Okay. So Peyton texted uh, uh, Bulls, said, I want one play that you're going to run this week. You know, so he's trying to get the play from, sure. from Bulls. And Bull goes, Listen, I don't know if this is you. So to prove it, what sandwich did Jim Harbaugh order when we were at Cuddy's house okay. when we were trying to recruit you? So then Peyton Manning tells the story. All those guys that I just named, yeah. they're down, they're watching film. They're, so then they're going to go outside and throw, you know? Okay. So they walk up to the kitchen, and David Cutcliffe's wife is right there. And she's like, hey, boys, you know, anybody hungry? Anybody want a sandwich? And David's, you know, David's like, thanks, baby. That's okay. You know, John Harbaugh, no, I'm fine. Peyton's okay. Jim Harbaugh, I'll take a pe- peanut butter and jelly. Of course. Of course it's a peanut butter and jelly. Wow. <laughs> and, and like Peyton's like, it was obvious. It was one of those things where she's just asking to be nice. It was the middle of the afternoon. Oh, we all go outside. Jim, yeah, I'll take a PB&J. So not surprising at all. Although the one thing that is surprising is that they were at Cutcliffe's house. Right. Yeah, well, it's the it's the connection. David Cutcliffe was Peyton's quarterback coach at Tennessee. Oh, right, of course. And okay. then he, and he was also involved with Eli. The Cutcliffe family and the Manning okay. family are, like, yep. simpatico. I'm sorry, Northwestern fans. We should almost kind of, like, reset this up. But long story short, Northwestern is running the ball at, at a pretty good clip yeah, but- with their number one running back. Okay. Hunter Johnson... He looks. I know they they didn't throw the ball much last week, but no. he looks serviceable. And we have a Northwestern defense that looked like a Northwestern defense last week. Yeah, albeit versus yeah. bad. So I guess that's one of my points is it's Indiana State. Like half of their half of these snaps that they run were against Indiana State. So maybe that doesn't. You shouldn't factor that in the the average as much. Um, I, I how think about, so. And then I don't know what you want to do with Duke, but. You know, Charlotte and, a- and NC AT&T, but they're running back, Mateo Durant, 44 carries, 300 yards, six touchdowns, and a 6.7-yard average. We've got two high-average running backs coming into this game. Is it basically whoever runs the ball best wins this game? Well, if I was going to bet on who runs the ball best, I would bet on the Northwestern Wildcats because I just don't – I have confidence in their defense. I have confidence in Fitz Magic, and I can't have the same of a Duke defense. Okay. What you got? Okay, I've got Northwestern winning the game 24-17. to 17, So that is a Northwestern cover, but it's an under. An e- and I like the under here. Uh, almost double-barreled this under. Right. For, that was for- my, this was my second pick for double-barrel. I've got Northwestern 21, Duke 20. So that is a Duke cover, but the that, at the total, that is 41. That is nine points under that. What is that 50-point over-under doing attached to Northwestern right now? Northwestern and and Duke. Right. I mean, well, I mean, Duke's put up a little well, bit okay, of but, points, but... But, but again, then you got to go up against the Northwestern defense. Right. Weird. Very strange. Okay. All right, that gets us to the Big Ten Game of the Week. The number 22 Auburn Tigers 
coming into Happy Valley to take on the top 10 ranked Penn State Nittany Lions 6.30 p.m. game, which means we got a whiteout, baby. I tell you what, I, I am, I'm a Hawkeye fan through and through, right? But this week, I'm a Hawkeye fan 1A. I am a Penn State fan 1B. I cannot wait to see the whiteout. And boy, do I want the Nittany Lions to beat some SEC butt on agreed. ABC on Saturday night. Agreed and agreed. The whiteout is the best atmosphere to me in the Big Ten. No disrespect to any other. No, I'd probably rank fifth or sixth in the SEC. And it's that's as, that's what SEC. It's as, <laughs> and it's as good as anything in the country. Absolutely. That, like I'm there not, could be some equal, but nothing's better. That's what I'm saying. There could be equals. There are no better than this. And I will say, probably. Just my favorite games every year. My favorite game to watch probably is the whiteout game. The, it's the most excited I get for a game. And by the way, you want to check out a good record? Check out Penn State's whiteout record. It's it's pretty good. All right, line Nittany Lions by six over under fifty three. So Vegas is saying something like a thirty to twenty three Penn State win. Eighty degrees and loud on Saturday night. Money, Woof. we are about a 50-50 split. So, mm. I mean, I, I, the, really the biggest thing here, you know, the biggest factor that we have to take into account is just how is Penn State going to deal with all that speed? <laughs> well, how that's, they gonna, how, they've never seen speed okay, but like I'll, this. L- let, me, let me counter that by saying Penn State has... I hope pr- you guys were picking up my, my yeah, sarcasm. No, of course. Right. So... The Penn State has incredible incentive here because Ohio State is not looking very good. I think that motivates them right now, not just in this game, but for the season because they see the, see an opportunity to finally overtake Ohio State and win the East. You're you're looking big picture, and that's that's pretty good. Another thing that I would add to that is you win this game, okay? And I'm not saying Penn State you're going to do this, but let's say you you lose to Ohio State in a nail biter. That gives you a chance to still get into the college football playoff yep. if you win out and you have an 11-1 record and a 8-4 and Auburn team that you beat. I'm making this up. I don't know how good Auburn's sure. going to be necessarily with that, but there is a lot of stuff going on here. So talking about Penn State, I am very curious. What is the game plan going to be from your such? Like, because I, I take Wisconsin off the, ta- off the table. I mean... Nobody gets an offense going versus Wisconsin. No harm, no foul there for Penn State. Sure. They got the offense the, going last week. But they did have some big plays against they did. Wisconsin. They still manufactured some big plays right. versus Wisconsin, which is saying something. But, like, are they going to trust Clifford to to make the big plays, to go after the big plays with Dotson or Parker Washington? Or is it going to be a situation where we're going to lean on our defense, we're going to lean on the crowd, we're going to lean on our rushing attack. Like, so, Is it more of a close-to-vest game plan? I'm, I'm, I cannot wait to see what it's going to be. I would say more of the latter, but that's not to say that Sean Clifford isn't going to make big plays, but I don't think they have to go for the big play. I don't think they have to go for the 50-yard downfield. I think Parker Washington and Jahan Dotson, I think they've got the explosiveness where they can just break a play because they're a great athlete. So is that what we're already seeing versus Penn State? Because... In the week one, no big error from Sean Clifford. Yep. Week two, no big errors from Sean Clifford. He wasn't, I don't know, off the charts, you know, sizzling type of stat line, but he looked really good last week. That's the game plan to me. So it's kind of a mix of running the ball, being conservative on offense, maybe taking a shot when you think you can get it there. But in the end, if if Sean Clifford can stay away from the mistakes, yep. 
I very much like Penn State in this game. It's just that I just say that out loud, and, and I pee a little. Okay. Well, speaking of mistakes, Bo Nix does not play well on the road. His his stats versus home and road, totally different quarterback. Want me to give, give him? Go for it, yeah. Home touchdown to interception ratio, 22-3 and three. Mm. on away, 10-10. and 10. That's, I mean, that's, that's a that's a big difference. So don't you just wait for him to make the mistake and just play conservative? And d- then you add in the fact that it's the whiteout game, and he's out there. It's nighttime. It's the g- every everybody is going to be watching this game. Just let him pee his pants. I think that is a very smart game plan. I again, I so obviously Yursich offensive game plan fits into the entire game plan. I got to think that's part of it. I have a lot of faith. In this Penn State defense, with that being said, first two games of the year, 60 points and 62 points. Now, this is versus Akron and Alabama State. Okay, okay. so I, so we don't know much about we this just offense. don't know. And this is a brand new. Remember, this is a brand new staff. This is this, this staff is only it's a good point. two games in new offensive coordinator. Boy, are Auburn slash SEC fans getting chippy with this. Maybe it's because Perk is just dragging me into their muck and I can't avoid it. But I tell you what, there there's no lack of confidence from from Auburn fans right now. I, I I hope, I really hope, and I could see it, okay, that Penn State is just they just are the better team right from the get-go, and that's what you see. I, I can see it, but like I think maybe there's just a little bit of apprehension there when I think this still is a pretty good program from a pretty good conference. So yeah. I feel like it's gonna wind up being a more evenly matched game, but I've got Penn State 28, Auburn 24. So that's an Auburn cover, but a Penn State win. And at 52, that's just a shade under the under. I could see this having like big game feel, a little bit of tightness. So not so much points all over the board. Okay, so I do think uh, Auburn will will have a good defensive showing. I think Tank Bigsby will get some yards, but I think the Penn State defense slows him down enough to get it done. I do like my, mine's very. I'm very close to you. I got Penn State 27, Auburn 23. Jeez, good for. I have one point more, so I'm at, you're at 50. Then, that's good for an under, yeah. <laughs> 50 and then an under. That's about as close as you can get. Dude, this is a good weekend of, of college football. Absolutely. Wait. All right, I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.